Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris along with Scott Lease here for another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast, which is brought to you by Lead411, who provides this amazing extension for you to plug in to download leads with LinkedIn, gives you direct dial phone numbers, it uh, gives you intent data so that if you're trying to find the right group or the right person, um, they're going to be the place to go. So please check out Lead411. But we're really excited here because... Um, We've all decided that all three of us are dialing in from hell uh, because we're all parents uh, and we're happy to have Camille Clemens, who is the director of business development over at Cohen and Company. Uh, so Camille, thanks so much for joining us. We're, we're glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks guys. Yeah. So just as we roll into this, what's a little bit of context for people about what it is you do as the business development at Cohen and Company and, and a little bit more about your background so they understand as we have this conversation where your frame of reference is coming from. Sure. And I might be a little bit different than the audience that typically tunes in and the fact that I'm not in transactional sales. So I, um, I work in the financial services industry and I focus primarily on the investment industry. So anyone running a pooled investment product, it could be anything from a startup manager all the way through the most established investment managers in the, in the world. Um, and I really do focus on selling a couple of core products, but across the product spectrum. So anyone who runs investments is someone that I would talk to. What, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> so do you invest in, um, so financial products. So if you're invested in a mutual fund or an ETF, we would, we as a firm, Cohen and Company, we audit the financial statements to ensure that they're properly stated for you as an investor. You make sure that I get what I'm supposed to get. Yes. I make sure that you're allocated appropriately and that, and that everything that they say is in the fund is actually there and accounted for and that it's being run properly according to the rules. See how I simplified that for you, Richard? I appreciate it, man. I really I, need it. I, I dumbed it down. I, you have to talk to us, Camille, like we're, you know, like children in, ter in terms it's of... It's funny. I take that for granted. I talk yeah. about it all day long, so I assume, and you should never assume in sales. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky when you bring one jargon from one industry to, to another, and, and it sometimes doesn't, you know, doesn't yeah. translate. But that's okay. You know, for context, like, our audience is not transactional sales. Our audience is all over the place from transactional to mid-market to enterprise to entrepreneurial to leadership. So there's a lot of That's good, good stuff. Know. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff um, that we'll get into, I'm sure, for, for everybody. So, so, yeah. so, you know, oftentimes when we hear traditionally, because we talk to a lot of startups and, and SaaS and software companies, we hear director of business development. You know, that, that brings a, a concept of team or you've got people setting up you know, appointments for sales reps, which I, I don't know, is that really what you do? Or is it like, no, Richard, like I'm really, I'm the one who's reaching out to these different head, different funds to make sure, like, what does it really mean? So, yeah, I have no person supporting my process. Um, my job is to generate revenue for the firm and I've created a strategy in order to do that. So, um, the firm is 40 years old, so they have some established relationships in the industry where we've got referrals that are coming in through those professional partners. So whether it be law firms or other banks, um, prime brokers, other people who service the types of clients that we service, 
there's often relationships there where we'll, we'll learn about opportunities as a result of just talking to our friends. Um, a big part of my job is ensuring that we're keeping in touch with everyone and everyone knows what we're doing as a firm. And then another big part of my job is really research. So I am adamant. Every morning I open my computer, the first thing I do is read the news, and the second thing I do is research the new funds that are launching. And we work in a pretty regulated environment, so I know where to go to find the, the information. Uh, the SEC's one of my favorite websites because it, it's all there and you just have to know how to search for what you're looking for and then who to call or who to call to figure out who to call. So I do a lot of kind of network building through my research and through my outreach, but I don't have a support team in back of me making calls and setting appointments. Everything I do is organically driven. So whether it's coming from an outside referral source or it's coming through my research. So what, what type of channel works best for you in, in, in your sales environment and arena? Are you making phone calls all the time? Are you using email? Are you video prospecting? Are you using LinkedIn? Like what, what works in your world best? So all of the above. And I think we're in an environment right now where you really have to just get creative. And I've stepped outside my comfort zone in some, some outreach where um, I've started sending video messages. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm impressed and surprised that you are doing video prospecting in your particular industry. I think it's not expected. And sometimes you just have to hit someone upside the head to just show them that, you know what, I am thinking creatively and I'm talking specifically to you. And I'm, I'm careful to not just overuse it and abuse that method because my rule of my, my own rule, I guess, um, my rule of thumb is I'm not going to send you a video message if I can at least reference one shared experience that I've had with you and I have your cell phone number. So those are more, hey, Scott, I saw that you are connected with so-and-so. I'm reaching out to make sure you and your family are okay and, and seeing if you know, maybe there's an intro you could help me make there. And it's 30 seconds at the most, but it's something just to get them to know that I'm thinking about them. And then either asking for whatever it is I need or saying, if you're up for a catch-up, you know, give me a call. What? And it's, I've probably done 30 of them and the responses that I'm getting are really unique. And I think it's causing other people to realize that there's really no rules right now. Like it's, it's okay to try new things and we're in a really established industry. So I think a lot has gotten stale over the years and form letters are still something people are sending. Um, like where you, you insert name here, first name, comma, last name, or whatever the form letter looks like. And those screw up all the time. Like <laughs> I've seen those crash and burn way more than I've seen them work. But to me, that's just a waste of time. It's impersonal and the person receiving it knows it. Yeah, it's interesting because it's kind of like form letters. It's like, wait a minute, you know, 1990, we started doing form emails, right? Like, so here <laughs> we are still talking about, now form letters are, are cool again, right? Because it's direct mail and there's this whole, philosophy of getting something in the mail. But if it's not done creatively, to your point, like a handwritten letter, then it's, it's, it's very, very stale. So what, just out of curiosity, because you are in a very traditional, old school business. And um, highly regulated. And highly regulated. What was the epiphany for you to go, I'm going to try this video thing? Um, 
I don't know. I kept seeing video coming in different ways to me, not necessarily personalized saying, Hey, Camille, I hope you're okay. But I would see videos being used creatively. Like I'd never seen them before. And so when COVID hit, I thought to myself, um, this is potentially the best way that I can reach out to people on their time, right? It's not about me and what works for me. So if I'm picking up the phone and calling you, that means that I want to talk to you. But if I'm sending you a text message with a video, then it's on you and you can respond whenever your shit storms calm down. And I really do think that having that empathy in this time and has really kind of opened our eyes to the fact that it isn't about us and it never has been. So that's kind of one reason that I started using video and it seemed to catch on. So I kept doing it. You know, you, you, so again, Scott and I come from a, a, a different sales world and you say 30 and I think, oh, wow, you know, just getting started. But is it more like, no, guys, I've been doing 30 over the last three or four months and that's just our pace. So that's, that would be, you know, what you call short 30 inside of a week is what we would do over two or three months anyway. So 30 is just that type of effort, right? So that's not all the outreach I've done, but that using that method, that's the, I've done about 30 of those in the past three months. Right. And so I've sent plenty of emails, plenty of LinkedIn requests. I've tweeted people, you know, I think we play the long game just because the nature of our business you have to build a relationship and relationships really are everything. Um, but we do live in a connected world. So I always say the connection economy is something that you can learn to leverage and utilize, or you can just, if you haven't built a strong network, it can really backfire. What is the, the typical sales cycle like for you? Um, I have a best case scenario that I'll give you an example of, and then I'll have the realistic scenario. <laughs> so my best case um, was we had, I had an old contact who I hadn't worked with at my new firm. So where I am today, call and say, Hey, we've got this really complex tax situation that our client's trying to work through. Can, do you have anybody that can help us? So we got on the phone a couple of days later. Um, and at the end of the call, they said, please send through your engagement letters. Well, that normally takes three, six, nine, 12 months to get to an engagement letter. So normally the process is you prospect, you engage, you figure out what their pain points are, you figure out how you can best place your firm to solve their problems. And then from there, you build your solution through a process um, that includes a proposal, pricing, reference checks, um, sometimes, not often, but bigger shops have procurement. And then you go to a decision phase. So there is a certain step that typically happens or a certain process that typically happens. But with this one, we went straight to engagement letters. And it really was the relationship that we had going in with the one who was referring us. So mm -hmm. it, <laughs> I'd love to say that there's a, there's a norm, but there really isn't. Is it, is it hard to maintain patience over the course of nine, 12 month sales cycles. I, I, for me, I feel like I would lose my mind. Like <laughs> I, I have, I, we closed this really big deal a year and a half ago at my last company. And it was like 18 month sales cycle. And I almost lost my mind like a thousand times during the process. Like I just, I don't have the patience to do, yeah. to do that 
consistently, right? So how, how do you how do you how do you reconcile that like salesperson's need for you know instant gratification with these longer kind of deals? And I'm sure that there's deals that in relationships that you've worked for years before they finally turn into a big chunk of business. How do you reconcile that? So I think there's enough variation in the cycles that you do get some quick hits, some wins, and even my quick hits can't always just be a win. Sometimes my quick hits can be, I got three referrals from this one source that I've been feeding for you know months. Um, and so for me, I love ink on paper more than anybody else. I love the yes. But I've learned, and I think it's age <laughs> mostly, is that sometimes the long way is the shortcut. I can't remember who said it. I'll figure it out and I will reference it somewhere. But um, it's true. Like you just have to be patient and realize that it's not, there's a difference between the seller's process and the buyer's journey. And I can't make it move faster. And the more you try, the harder it hits and the less progress you see. And the I, I think the partnership is so important with our clients because they are longer term relationships um, that you do just take the time up front to get to know them and know that they're kind of at the center of everything that you're doing. Now, it's a bad answer, but now you're, now you're selling lots of yoga. You, you said you have nobody around you kind of supporting, but there are there other people doing your function or are you literally like the only BD salesperson for, for the company right now? So there are people around me supporting me, but not in a sales function. So we have a marketing team that's really in, super helpful. But in a sales function, there's nobody supporting. No. Are, there, no. are there other people? Is there a, a clone of Camille somewhere? Are there two, three people? I'm wondering, if, if, I'm wondering what it, the experience is like to be selling and have nobody else in an organization doing the same role as you. And how do you get feedback and coaching and development and keep kind of improving without any of that stuff going on? I've never been in that kind of environment for, for more than like, you know, a month. I go into a company if I was going to take a full-time job and I have to figure this thing out. But then once I figure it out, we start hiring people. I, I've never been solo and I'm, I'm just wondering what that experience is like. So our company is bifurcated, meaning there's two parts of it. One part services closely held businesses. So um, companies that are, are privately owned. So they go in and they do audit and tax work for them. They do process improvement. They do management consulting. So that's half of our business. There's three people actively, sorry, four people actively selling that. On my side of the business, the other half where we're serving the investment industry, I'm the only person doing the job. Now, I will say that we've gotten to the point we've gotten to with the growth we've seen through a lot of entrepreneurial partners in the firm who have been actively participating in business development efforts, but it's never really been organized. So it's been hand-to-hand -hand combat, building those long-term relationships and really growing, but at a pace that they can do on their own while they are responsible for all the other work that they're doing. So how, how are you getting coached and how, how are you getting information come in and, and how are you deciding what things to test and whatnot? I mean, it's, yeah. it, feels like, it feels like a tough situation to me. Well, 
I think there's a lot of different things. So I read a lot. Um, I do ask for feedback and I'm never offended by the feedback I'm getting. Uh, I think that I've been in sales for 10 years, so I can rely on a lot of my historical experience to thrive where I am, to put processes where there need to be processes and to kind of make it my own. And I've never been a, a natural, like I've never known coming in that I'm the best at what I do, but I work damn hard. And I know that I, if I'm underestimated, it's like the best place I can be. So coming in, there was no plan. And that's not a knock on the firm. That was the firm recognizing we're at a point right now that we need a plan. So let's go find somebody who can help us do that. And I've known the company for a long time because I've been one of those channel partners who's referred business into them because I knew that they knew what they were talking about and they always responded. And when you, as a, as a salesperson, when you make a referral, your, your credibility is on the line as much as anyone else's because you're essentially saying these people are going to be able to help you. And if you send them to somebody who really has no idea what they're doing, then you're going to look like a jackass. So I've gotten to know these guys pretty well. These guys and girls, pretty well over the last 10 years. Um, and we've built a strong relationship. So when they were looking for someone, they came to me saying, hey, how does this look? Like, what would you change? And I was able to look at their description of the job and say, looks pretty good. I'll keep my eyes open. And then it organically grew into, wait a second. <laughs> this might be really interesting for me at my point in my career. You said something that was really interesting to me, which was, if I'm underestimated, that's the best place for me to be. Um, where's that come from? Are, were you naturally a, you know, a competitive person um, or do you just kind of like it? You don't know why? Like, where's that? That's a great mantra, by the way. I like it. I think, I think Scott likes that too. That's sort of, he's an I'm athlete. I'm an athlete and, like and a redheaded stepchild. Like there's not much more. <laughs> Like, and it's just like a literal redheaded stepchild. Yep. What do you, really? Yep. And so twice you've, you've embraced that. You have to, I mean, you can't change it. So you can dwell on it or you can embrace it. And that was my choice. Yeah. Well, that resonates with me a ton. I mean, I, I spent four years in the hospital fighting for my life when I was uh, in my early and mid twenties. And, well, uh, I read your book and that's how I know that you had those struggles and I've listened to some of the episodes, but, and that's why I made an assumption off the start that you, that the audience typically was in transactional sales, but that's okay. Pardon me for that. That's okay. You're underestimating me, which I yeah. love. It puts me right where I want to be. Let's, let's go. <laughs> see what I did? See what I did there? <laughs> yep. It's uh, there comes with that and, and with your experiences, I'm, I'll assume, you know, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, a little bit, and but a little bit of exactly what you said, which is like, well, I can choose to let this define me in one way or I can choose to let it define me in another. And I decided to own the narrative and spin it in this particular way. And it sounds like you've done, you know, exactly the same thing. Um, so I, I respect that a ton and I, I relate to it a lot as well. Yeah, I think, you know, in sales, it may be the one job out there that you really have the opportunity every time you do something, you're signing it. You're like, this is me doing work that I'm proud of and I'm giving it to you. And one of the things I say all the time is, you know, how you do everything is how you do anything. And that means that every single time you do something, and it does get a little dangerous because... <laughs> 
applying that level of pressure to everything, including like how the bed is made and how your socks are folded, like it's probably a little, I'm, I'm relaxed a little bit. But when I'm actually doing work that I'm, I'm proud, I'm proud of it. I'm doing things and I, and it's so important to have pride in your work and to love what you do, because if you don't have those things, you probably won't be in sales very long. That's totally true. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I want to dig in a little bit on as, as someone sort of growing up, and I'm just going to assume it was a foster care system through, through that type of situation. No. Okay. So I might, I'll expand a little bit enough to give some context. So I grew up in the far Northwest suburbs of Chicago and my mother and father divorced when I was 12. She remarried twice after that. And so there were a couple of cases where I had, she had a husband that wasn't my dad. And so that's the redheaded stepchild. Got it. Okay. Did through that, because I, I went through divorce and I had to sort of create what I called my survival instinct um, as a child of divorce. Is, is that what you've sort of figured out at some point in your life of like, okay, all these adults around me are doing crazy shit. I don't know what it is, but it's not good for me. So I'm just going to keep my head down. Is that what you went through or, or was there some other experience? Yeah, I think to a degree. I mean, I definitely worked really hard to create my own little world in my like safe place. And I surrounded myself with people who um, were, were, I was around a lot of adults and typically they were teachers or coaches who I knew were working to help make me better. Right. So they could find in me what I could do and, back to the, I'm not a natural at anything, but I work really, really hard to be the best I can be. Um, and one coach along the way said, you know, the second you start comparing yourself to someone else, you've lost because you're not anyone else. Like you're the original, you're and like just really the pep talk you need at a young age, very impressionable to say, you know, I've got this. And the more I do to put work into getting better, the better I will get. And I'm the only one that can control that cadence. I'm the only one that can control how long, how hard, how early, how late, how strong, how, you know, all of the things that go into just becoming a human being that moves through the world. Um, And I really did surround myself with really strong role models. So I was fortunate to have access. And, and so that means that you've taught your kids to do that and they follow your direction on that one perfectly. Right. Um. <laughs> that's what, I mean, my kids listen to me all the time. Like that's such good advice. Like I'm literally sitting here going, Oh my God, I can, I want to go back and replay it. Like I literally want to hear you explain all that again because it was so yeah. good. I'm uh, hopeful that my kids. So around our home, we have these sayings and the saying that is around our home that we just, we talk to them all the time. We try to tell them what's right, what's wrong, how to be a good person, the values that we keep. But the, the thing that I've got posted all around the house is work hard and be nice. And I say, if you guys do these two things, everything else works out. Like if you can focus consistently on working hard and being nice, everything falls in the middle and you will be successful with whatever it is your passion is, go find it. And I really encourage you to go find it. Don't do what I do if you don't want to do it, but I'm here to help you figure it out. And so I think, I hope they're hearing me. I hope they're listening to us. And I hope that they're getting some level of empowerment that they really own it. They own their destiny and they can do whatever they want with it. Well, I know when I got that advice when I was 12, 
10, 14 years old. Um, it went one ear, went in one ear and out the other, but it came back when I was about 23, 24. So we've got that going for us. We were all, we were all kind of joking before we started the, the show today that we're in our own version of hell that we've all made for ourselves. Stuck at home with uh, Richard's kids, I think are nine and 11, mine are 12 and 10. I think you said you have a 14 year old and 10 year old, is that, is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, the hell we built. The hell we built, that's right, yeah. So we've got six kids between us in very similar ages. What are you doing to keep yourself and your family sane during, uh, during COVID and, and all this? We haven't really spent too much time digging in with parents and talking about, you know, how, how are you setting up your schedule? What, what are you doing with the kids to keep them occupied and out of your hair while you're trying to work? Um, and just balancing all of this kind of stuff. So if you're comfortable with it, I'd, I'd love to, to go there since I feel like we're all in a really similar spot. Well, and we're not alone because everyone is facing this. And I, to your point, I haven't heard anyone talk about it. Um, and it is a struggle. So I've come from 60% of my time is spent on the road and away. And well, wow, so you're, you're home, like kind of, this is not normal, you being home. This is not normal. Yeah. No. So I'm going to move that to the side for a second and just talk about like the current normal. And I think we're probably going to be here for a while. Um, I might argue a full more calendar year <laughs> before we get back to any semblance of, of normal or order. Oh, ouch. I know. It sucks. But just rip the Band-Aid off and say, you know what, this is what we're dealing with. Schedules are, your, are, are kids, so important. Are your kids ready for you? Are they like, mom, when are you going back on the road? They ask all the time, what is she still doing here? <laughs> like, come on, you guys. <laughs> and it's probably because they don't get sugar cereal and they can't put Smarties on their pancakes anymore. Like, who knows what the reason is? But um, we've definitely learned how to live with each other. And it's really the first time that we've had this many people in one spot at one time. And I'm going to up the ante to say even um, we, we've brought in an in-law and then we have a temporary situation where my mom is experiencing some health issues right now. And so she's with us for a couple of weeks as well. So when I say the inn is full, <laughs> the inn is full, but it's amazing because I think our kids are really getting to experience things that they wouldn't have generally. So if life was normal and we were all moving and shaking at the rate that we were, which by the way was unhealthy and completely exhausting. So it's really made us stop and think like, okay, family dinners every night. That's what, that's our thing. So did when you, it's, did, did you, sorry to interrupt you. Did you recognize before all this, that what you were doing was no. unhealthy? And yeah. I, nope. I, it makes sense. Yeah. It was like a slap across the face. It was like, what are we doing? And how do we not even know how to be with each other? Because we didn't. And when you run kids from practice to, you know, wherever you're running your kids, to, from sports to friends to extracurriculars, and then you have your own thing, it's like very easy not to think about what you're doing. You just kind of A, then B, then C, then D, because that's where I'd your calendar's I'd argue that's the only way to survive it. Is, is to not stop and think about what you're doing and just do it. It's yeah. amazing we did survive. Yeah. Because we would not 
it's the old way. I'm actually kind of thankful that we had a time to pause and just say, what the fuck are we doing? Like, why are we forcing ourselves to do so many things in a day where, what are we, like, what do we want to (laughs) do? Is this what we want to do? Or is this just what we do? Because this is what we're doing. And we're still kind of working through some of that. Like, but I think the conversations have started. So how are, how are you, what are you doing with the kids during the day while you're working? How are, how are, how are you combating what Richard and I probably go through at least, which is like, no, you can't play video games 14 hours a day, right? What, what, what are you doing? What are your strategies to deal with that? This is not going to be a PC answer, but I'm going to tell you what it, what it is. So kind of answer is non PC answers. I wake up every day. I wake up between 6.30 and 7.30, depending on what's going on. I found a couple of things to get me out of bed earlier because it's very easy to just get lazy and sleep in, but I don't want to do that. That's not who I am, so I'm not letting myself fall there. So my setting an example of getting out of bed early and like getting to work, whatever the work looks like today, is one thing I'm doing. I don't want to say I've let it go, but I've definitely stopped micromanaging. I cannot remind you a hundred times in a day that playing video games for 14 hours a day is a waste of your value. <laughs> like You're way better than that. But I also recognize that I have to give them a little bit of grace because there's an emotional aspect of this that no one's talking about yet that's going to come down like the meteor that almost hit the world, right? Like the shit storm is going to hit when we do try to force somebody back into normal, but no one really knows how to behave in normal because we've created this like undercurrent that is putting people in one bucket or another because they're doing one thing or not doing another thing. And kids don't know how to sort through that. They've never really dealt with adversity. They've never dealt with Mom, why is that person not wearing a mask in the grocery store? Or mom, why did that cross the street instead of walking by me on the sidewalk? Or why can't I see grandma? Like these things are all like hard to tackle for adults and probably even more so for kids because they just want to know that they're safe and everything's going to be okay. And so I have given them a lot of grace that they can be on Fortnite and TikTok. Not maybe as much as they want to be, but... I'm not on them on every hour on the hour saying, get off the phone, right? I'm, we're trying to figure out how to manage that through them self-selecting. So I go on walks, I go on bike rides. We go down and take the dog for a walk to the beach. Uh, we'll go on a boat ride. We'll just try to do stuff and invite them and remind them that they don't have to be tied to the television because that's the only way they can talk to their friends. They can come out and hang out with their built-in friends, which is their family, so game nights and, and the other things that I've mentioned, really just trying to invite them with us, not mandating them to go. Yeah, that's interesting. I agree with you 100% on, you know, what's about to hit everybody. I was talking to somebody the other day and, you know, they were explaining that it's really hard for the, for the parents of, you know, two, three and four year olds because they're teaching them not to share right? Which is the opposite of what we taught our kids, right? It's, it's like, they're going to have to re-educate them in a whole other way, just on that simple concept of, you know, 
you know right. you need to share. <laughs> Still don't put anything in your mouth, so, but um, you should share. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's it, it's fascinating. And uh, and I think we, we do the same thing. I mean, fortunately for, for our boys, um, at least so our, our boys get along pretty well. And I have one who is obsessed with video games. So, you know, when he's, when he's playing with Scott's kids, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, he's, he's exactly. being social, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure Scott's like, Oh yeah, it's, 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 Richard well, it's actually, it's actually a, a lot. So, of, I'm actually much more okay with them doing video games. If they actually are playing with some friends, because like Camille said, like shit, that is, pretty much all the social activity and interaction that they that they get so that part for me i'm like all right i'm gonna leave them alone i'm not gonna micromanage them to use camille's kind of point what will what will drive me nuts is if they're there by themselves not talking to their friends and it's been you know a particular amount of time or whatever so i'm just well, in the, the youtube of the black hole of youtube I mean, you could sit there and just watch yeah. videos all day. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for at least some social engagement because right now these are super formative years. And the only way you're going to know how to work with people is to interact with people. And that's all you can do right now. So I'm going to give you that, that platform to use, but you're going to have to quickly learn that knocking on a friend's door is really the way to go someday. <laughs> Come back. I swear. I I mean, I, no, none of us know really what the right answer yeah. is. You know, we're all doing yeah. what we can to stay somewhat sane and, and physically healthy and active as well as mentally healthy and active. So there's, there's no right way. I mean, my, my kids are super athletic and have shit tons of energy. And so I, I, I literally have written out, like, here's all the things you have to do every day before you get access to any of your electronics. You got like Can you send that to me? Yeah, I've, I've sent it to a bunch of people actually, because people are curious about it, but like, you know, and it doesn't work for every kid, but it works for, for my kids because they're so athletic. My kids play three select travel sports per kid, right? And so I'm like, you're going on a two mile run in the morning. You're gonna ride your bike about five miles a day. You're gonna shoot a hundred free throws. You're gonna hit a couple buckets of baseballs into the net you're gonna juggle the soccer ball you're gonna walk the dogs and then you gotta make breakfast once a week for everybody you gotta take the trash out you gotta pick up the dog poop you gotta do your laundry like they have chores and and a workout every single day and they have to read for like an hour a day but they're done with all that shit by 1 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> okay? they 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 have gamed the system on me so they wake up early power through all their things and then it's two o'clock and it's like it's i'm like it's lord of the flies time you guys are in charge i don't know what's gonna happen do whatever do whatever you want right but at least for me i'm like well they did all that stuff like you know well that's a victory as long as they don't come home with an animal head and a stick i think you're doing all right that's right <laughs> there's, the, there's the title of the episode as long as you don't come home with an animal head on <laughs> so <laughs> that's fantastic oh so, lord um well we're getting getting to that part where we sort of need to wrap it up but before we do um we always sort of turn around and ask you know how can we be of help to you um i'm sure scott will get you that list of of tours uh, and activities but is there a cause you're supporting is there something your family does to support others that, that we can support you do you have a, a question you want to ask us 
I've been trying to find something super creative. Um, and I don't know. I think the one thing I've become really passionate about during this period of unrest <laughs> and craziness, I don't even know what we should call it anymore. It's way more than a global pandemic. It's Un just a global shit un show. <laughs> unrest, unrest is a good word, but global shit show is even better. We have three titles for this episode now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have become really, really interested in being educated in a way that I had never really been interested in being educated before. And I say that because there's so much time that we have not running around, right? So I'm not a big t television watcher. And so I've done a couple of things and I'd like some, maybe some input on other ideas here. Um, whether it be more education around diversity and the real history, like from way back, not starting from when our history books decided to start telling us a story, but like from the beginning and how we got to where we are. Um, so reading a lot about that and about all of the things that as society we have in place that are so unjust and so wrong. So that's one thing that I've been reading on. I also subscribe to Masterclass, which is an online kind of education portal that brings the best of the best into teach you kind of in a, I'm not going to call it a 100 level, but probably a 200 level. I learned about quantum physics. I learned about curation. I learned about um, the power of negotiation. Um, what else is out there? Like there's, it feels like there's so much available and so much coming at us. How do you guys sift through what's available and where where do you go to spend your time? Because you do have to kind of clock out at some point. Otherwise, you'll just run yourself into the ground. So I've been trying to find different ways of occupying my time that's not spent doing my day job. It's a really great question. I'm going to let Richard answer it first because um, he is much better at clocking out. I've had people tell me my whole life that I'm going to burn out at some point in time and, and I don't seem to burn out. So I need, I need a little bit more time to think about, about my answer. Go for it, Richard. You go first. So um, one, I've spent more time on the golf course. I, I looked yesterday, and I think I've played 10 times this year. And I told my wife, and she's like, wow, you haven't played that long, that much since you know, we were first married. And I know I there's a lot of time in 45 minutes. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's, that has been really helpful to me. Um, and I know some people are like only 10 times and other people are like, wow, I wish I could go 10 times. Like I, I know where that coin is. Um, I've actually been getting up and walking every morning for 30 minutes before I start my day. That's been super helpful. I meditate um, on a regular basis. So I use Headspace for that. Um, I read a lot. I, I became much more of a, a much bigger reader, maybe just three or four years ago. So now I've always got one or two books going on. I'm reading on the diversity side, right? Um, I read uh, White Fragility. Um, I'm now in the new Jim Crow, which I'm finding really, really fascinating because it talks about the court cases of the system. So it's less, it's definitely the emotional challenge that people feel and express. But then when you hear the courts, the way the court system is set up, um, it gives me some rational thought as to what's happening. So for that, I'm looking there. Um, I read a lot of, I, I sort of call them the nonfiction books. So I like to read biographies to learn from. Um, I also read nonfiction um, 
real life scenarios like literally today there's a case um with a company out of malaysia called imdb and this guy who literally helped the government create a billion dollar fund and he stole maybe 700 million of it um and, the, and it involved leonardo dicaprio and he used to hang out with paris hilton and jamie fox and like just just stuff you're like oh my god how'd you get away with that um, there's another one called American Kingpin, which is about the guy who created, well, he took over the Silk Road, which was the underground place you could get anything on the dark web. And so those things are fascinating to me. That, that's where I spend my time. I spend more time with my kids, which is really, really helpful. Um, and to your point, we do spend more time talking and we've started doing the meal thing. Um, maybe in the last month, we've gotten really good about having meals together. Even if it's a 10 minute dinner or a 10 minute lunch, it's better that way so um and then uh i think even scott gave us the idea we went out and bought a bow and arrow set um and so we've been doing bows and arrows and some things like that so that that's sort of my wine that's my suggestion i'll, I'll let scott answer but so to, to answer your question about kind of where to go to find all these things <clears throat> and uh it's like an overwhelming how many options there are. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I did, Camille. Um, I didn't go anywhere. I decided to create and build these things myself. So I built a, I helped build, I should say, a, a community called Thursday Night Sales. So every single Thursday since the first week of March, um, myself along with uh, my co-hosts, Amy Volos and Justin Welsh, we've had anywhere from 100 to 700 plus people show up on Thursday nights, one big, huge virtual happy hour Zoom, and from people all over the world show up and we talk about anything and everything. We field questions and we've gone through the ringer from COVID to layoffs to uh, riots and racial you know, uh, unrest and all of this global shit show that we're talking about. And we've had we've brought in you know guest speakers and whatnot who are more representative of all the things going on in the world. So I didn't I didn't know where to go look, and I didn't want to go look, so I built it my damn self. And I've, I'm a advisor to this big, huge, growing um, Slack sales community now called Rev Genius. We we started that in early June. It's up to almost three thousand members already. Um, I created my own Patreon community and in my Patreon community, I hold private events. So I've had guests like Madison Butler, who's a very outspoken, uh, you know, voice on LinkedIn. She's in the recruiting space, black woman, um, queer black woman, blue hair, right? Brought her in and gave a talk to my Patreon group. I, Richard and I had as a guest, uh, this guy, Jason Gant on last week, black guy from uh, the Bay Area talking about mindfulness and peak performance. I brought him into my Patreon community to give a training. So I think for me, it's been all about, I don't know where to go either. So I have some sort of platform and voice. So I'm going to create these things myself and I'm going to bring in the guests and I'm going to create the kind of environment that I would want if I was seeking this kind of information. And I'm going to take, actionable steps to amplify particular voices that need the amplification 
more than any of the three of us based on who we are, what we look like, and, and what we've done. Um, and so, you know, as I was listening to Richard give his answer, this is the best thing that, that I could, could think of and, and perhaps share with you. Right on. Yeah. I'll add a couple of books because I do think sometimes people who hear conversations do wonder. So what is it that you read and where, where is it that you go for your inspiration? And so a couple of the things that I find empowering are um, some of the Ryan Holiday stuff. And I knew about Ryan Holiday a couple of years ago. I was ter turned on to him, but the obstacle is the way really seems very important right now. <laughs> I think it's, it could be good perspective to have just given all the challenges. Um, I've been struggling with time management, to be honest, because there's no schedule out there. So what I have to really be focused on how I'm spending my time. And so I recently read a book called Indistractable. Um, what was his name? Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Near near aisle or something like that. Um, fascinating book about just different strategies you can take. Um, I joined a Peloton group for private equity. Um, that's been fun. So you have at least a group of people that get out and exercise together, together um, on the bike. And my husband is into something called UltaFit. And so we have this huge hill uh, just around the corner from us where it's about 200 yards long at they say a 37 degree incline. So we'll walk up it, come back down, do a kind of set of exercises and then do it five times. And so we invite the kids and sometimes they come, sometimes they don't, but just like unique and creative ways to use literally what's in our backyard that we overlooked for so long. So I appreciate your guys' suggestions. I think it's great. Um, and I'll look forward to that list, Scott, because I need to get some, uh, yeah, I'm happy. I don't know. I'm happy fire. Yeah, yeah. I won't tell them where I got it. They'll come find you. <laughs> you <laughs> that's okay. I'll tell them. Yeah. I'll tell them where you got it. So. Fine, I'm ready. I, I'm I'm used to being abused by my own kids about the list. So yeah. Uh, speaking of kids, my ten year old is literally banging on the office door right now, saying he needs my attention. So well, go be attentive. Yeah. It was awesome catching up with you guys. Thanks for the chance to Thanks. chat. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And also just a quick shout out to Lead411, our, our sponsor for the show. Uh, if you are looking for leads and direct dial numbers and a cool Chrome extension plugin and all those kinds of things with intent data, check out Lead411. Thanks again, Camille. We appreciate it. Thanks, Camille. All right, thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks.